All right. I have got a chainsaw illustration. Oh, yes. Sabrina doesn't think I should start it, but... Oh, yeah. I'm a wild man. Put one of these in my hands, I go crazy. So this is a steel 026. This might be the perfect size saw for Alaska in case uh, you're looking for a Christmas present. The steel 026. When I was a senior in high school, I got it in my head that I was going to sell firewood. And so my dad bought me a steel chainsaw. This is my buddy's. I still own mine. Mine is an 044, which is uh, even beefier. I was ambitious as a senior in high school. I still own it, but my brother Jim moved out to Galena this year, and he said, hey, Mike, I will make much better use of your chainsaw in Galena than you will in Anchorage. Uh, I'm going to heat my house partly with wood, and so uh, your chainsaw needs me to take it to Galena. And I said, okay. But as soon as I lent it to him, I've had need of it every sell, ever since, and I've had to borrow, which has been very, it's been a bummer. When I was, so in high school, I wore a hard hat, not all the time, but when I was cutting, a hard hat, heavy boots, and a big belt buckle, and I was pretty cool. Uh, and I loved my new steel chainsaw. The problem is, pretty quickly, uh, I seized the engine, and, and I had to get it rebuilt which was an expensive lesson. And I seized the engine because I didn't uh, properly appreciate the, the fuel-to-gas-to-oil uh, ratio. Uh, steels are built for, with a 50-to-1 ratio in mind, 50 parts gas, one part oil. And I tried to run it on straight gas, and it seized up, and I had to get it completely rebuilt, which was a bummer. Today's topic is work. And you know, uh, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 9, God tells us that he has built us for a particular ratio, with a particular ratio in mind. And it's a very particular work to rest ratio. In Acts 29, we're told, Six days shall you labor, and on the seventh day rest. Which is God saying... I created you, I designed you, and I know uh, the work-rest ratio that will be best for you. You'll be happiest and you'll, you'll be healthiest if you work six days and then rest a day. And work six days and rest a day. And so uh, in our Proverbs, we're in a series on Proverbs, and in our Proverbs today, uh, the Proverbs builds on this and says the wise person is the person who lives in harmony with this six to one ratio. And if you'll do that, good things will abound in your life. So we're in a series on Proverbs called Foolproof. It's called Foolproof because Proverbs is trying to, wants to help us foolproof our lives. There are three kinds of people in the world. There is the fool, the wise, and the simple, and the simple are those who haven't yet made enough life choices to be characterized as either foolish or wise. We don't want to be fools because fools uh, find dishonor and, uh, and uh, destruction, death. We want to be wise. And 
the first nine chapters of Proverbs basically are kind of extended arguments for, with one basic theme. Uh, and it's, it's this. Wisdom is so valuable that you should pursue it with more ferocity than you do silver and gold. Because if you find wisdom, it will pay off bigger in your life than silver and gold. It's that important. And so the first nine chapters of Proverbs are basically making that case. And it does, they, it, does it in uh, many different ways. Chapter 10 through, chapters 10 through 31 give us the actual Proverbs. And, and so it, it's a very, uh, if you're reading through Proverbs, which I hope you are, uh, it's a very different feel. By the way, I've said um, three ways you can get the most out of this series. Uh, number one, uh, attend church regularly so that you can hear the sermons. And if you miss them, go online, listen to them online. Number two, read through the Proverbs. There are 31 chapters, and you just read one chapter a day. We're going to be in this series for three months. If, you, if you've done that from the beginning and do that diligently, you'll have read Proverbs three times, and you will be wiser. Uh, that's a promise. And then uh, the third way you can get the most out of the series is to uh, get involved in a journey group. Many of our journey groups are uh, discussing the book of Proverbs, and life is better together. God uh, means for us to know and be known, and, and here at Clearwater Church, journey groups is the primary way we do that. So uh, pick up a journey group directory, find a group that matches your schedule, interests you, and get involved. So today we are in Proverbs 10. And so from here on out, it's difficult to kind of open up and preach a, a chapter or a very particular text because uh, Proverbs now begins to compile these short, pithy Proverbs. And often in one chapter, you have multiple topics. And so here's what we're going to do for the rest of the series. We're going to take a topic that Proverbs addresses, and each week we'll look and say, okay, so what does Proverbs say about this topic? Today the topic is work and the wealth that accompanies that. What does Proverbs say about work and wealth? And it says three things. The first thing it says is those who live in harmony with God's work-rest rhythm will always have more than enough. So if you have your Bibles, turn, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. And we're going to look at a lot of uh, different verses in Proverbs today. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. What is richness? It's having all you need and then some to give away. So the hand of the diligent. Who are the diligent? The diligent are those who live in harmony with God's work-rest rhythm. They work six days, and then they take a day off. And then they work six days, and they take a day off. And they do that for a lifetime. And they have more than enough. Proverbs twelve eleven. Whoever is... Proverbs twelve eleven. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread. And 13.4, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. 
We should not be surprised that the Creator has designed the world so that when we are living in harmony with the way He's designed us, uh, all of our needs are supplied. The very first thing that God told humans was to was what we call the creation mandate. Go into the world and uh, fill it and subdue it. In other words, I've created this world and I, I am entrusting it to you. Go in go to my world, explore it, unpack it, and make it better. It's part of uh, reflecting the image of God. And so what is work? Work is not just, you know, going, going to work. Work is being productive. It's anything we do to better the world in which we live. So it can be uh, rearing healthy kids. It can be uh, taking care of our gardens, putting it, having an orderly home. It can be producing uh, something that the world needs, cultivating the earth. It's, it's being productive. Be- anything that we do to better the world around us, that can include bettering yourself, going to school, uh, developing skills. And God, is, God has created in this world uh, almost an infinite amount of wealth-generating potential. And so when we go about working six days a week and resting one day, working six days a week, we're going to unpack that and, and God will provide for us. That's the primary way God provides for us is by creating this world that can be um, resourced. So, first thing God says about work is uh, if you live in harmony with my work-rest ratio, you will have more than enough. Second thing is this. Uh, Proverbs tells us that fools are constantly trying to bypass uh, God's created order. Let me talk a little bit about laziness. Laziness is a way that Proverbs says a lot of people try to bypass God's created order. And it doesn't have much positive to say. Proverbs 18.9 Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. A slacker. uh, Elsewhere, a sluggard, a lazy person. Brother to him who destroys. Likens likens the lazy person to a destroyer. Why? Because uh, they're not doing anything to, to better the world around them. They're not contributing the way that God intends them to. This is, this is Proverbs saying, here's how God views uh, laziness or sluggardness. Proverbs 19.24. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish and will not even bring it back to his mouth. Look, think about that image. You know, you've got a bowl of rice, your hand's in the bowl of rice, and, and you're, you're so lazy you won't even bring it to your mouth and feed yourself. What's Proverbs saying? Proverbs saying is, you know, you have the ability to provide for yourself and your family, but you won't do it. That's foolishness. Twenty Proverbs twenty verse four: The sluggard does not plow in the autumn; he will seek at harvest and have nothing. One of the themes of Proverbs is we reap what we sow. There is a cause and effect. Uh, relationship in the world God has created. So, 
if you're not willing to work, you know, when during the uh, planting season, well, you won't have anything to harvest, and you'll go hungry. Proverbs 21, 25. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. And then finally, 22, 13. The sluggard says, there's a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. In other words, uh, we always have an excuse for our laziness. I can't go to work. There might be a lion out in the streets, and it'll pounce on me. It might harm me. So laziness is a way that uh, a fool tries to bypass God's created order. Because God has says, and he's very specific, isn't he? Six days you'll labor, one day you'll rest. Be productive six days a week, take a day off, and just enjoy my creation and, and be, be restful. But the, the lazy person says, no, 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 I want six days off and one day. And so they're fighting against God's created order, and God says, I don't bless that. I have designed the world It's going to to resist you if you are trying to be lazy. Now, let me pause a moment and just say, there is a complete and total difference between the person who is willing to work but won't and the person who wants to work but can't. And the Bible says if you are willing to work but you can't work because maybe your body is unable to work, or maybe you you truly are in an economy where you can't find work. In that situation, if you're willing to work but you can't, you are now a target for compassion. And the scriptures are very clear that, that we're to take care of people that are in that position. Those are the truly poor. And so in the church, if there are people in our church who are in that position, uh, the church is called upon to to provide for them. And, and thus you had like the widows and the orphans uh, in the early church. And the rest of the church, those who could, shared and made sure that they were taken care of. And that's, that's not only morally good, it is required of us. But the person who can work and won't work, whose hand's in the bowl but won't lift up and feed himself, uh, we're not to help those people. The Bible's very explicit. Allow them to suffer the consequences of their foolishness. Otherwise, how are they going to learn? And so, here it is in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. The Apostle Paul is very specific. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness. Not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Uh, So Christians are not to be lazy people. And the Christian community is not to encourage laziness, not to support laziness, right? So that's a very uh, important distinction uh, to make. Another way that people try to um, bypass God's work-rest rhythm is working too much. And we've talked about this uh, in the past, the importance of taking a day off and resting. And so for, for some people, that's their hang-up. 
They don't want to rest one day a week because they figure, I've got to work seven days a week to have the lifestyle I want to have. And so, again, they're fighting God's created order, and he won't bless that. Another way that people try to bypass, a fool, uh, another expression of foolishness, the get-rich-quick scheme. Proverbs chapter 13, 11, we read this, Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Work six days, rest a day. Work six days, rest a day. Do that for a lifetime, and you will become rich. You will have all you need and some to give away. That's God's, that's God's plan. I highly doubt that God's going to provide for you through winning the lottery. That would be contrary to what we would expect. That's not the way he has said that he has designed the world. It's not the way that he says that he provides for us. He provides for us by our diligent uh, labor. And so I've, you know, I've tried to do the get-rich-quick scheme, uh, and I've lost money when I've done it in, uh, in certain investments I've made. And uh, I remember when I thought I'm going to go work at the, uh, the during the Internet explosion, I'm going to go work for the Internet company and make my... And make my millions, then I can uh, retire and have the, the, the ministerial life of ease. Yes. That didn't work out. Another way people try to bypass God's created order is by uh, take, gaining riches by disadvantaging other people. Proverbs 11.26. The people curse him who holds back grain... But a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. Now, why would someone hold back grain? It's the whole supply and demand, right? Uh, I'm going to hold back grain, and all of a sudden that chokes off the supply, and prices skyrocket, and then I can get a, a higher price for my grain. Now, well, the problem is grain is necessary for uh, other people's survival. And so here's somebody saying, I'm going to get rich on the back of other people at other people's expense. And God is not in that at all. Proverbs eleven eighteen, The wicked earns deceptive wages, but one who sows righteousness gets a sure reward. You do not want to earn deceptive wages because God can't bless that. Proverbs twenty twenty three, Unequal weights are an abomination to the Lord and false scales are not good. Well, Imagine you're selling uh, apples, and you have at your little apple stand a, a scale, right? And somebody comes up and on your scale, and you're like, ah, oh, that's a pound of apples. But you know that in reality it's only 0.9 of a pound, and you're, you're cheating them and uh, lining your pockets. God is not in that. He will not bless that. So these are laziness, uh, working all seven days a week, uh, cheating other people, get-rich-quick schemes. These are all attempts people make uh, to bypass God's created order. And it's not living, not living in harmony with God's six days you work, take a day of rest, six days you work, take a day of, de- a day of rest. And if you do that, I, you will be fully provided for and you'll have... Uh, something left over to share with other people. So let me tell you a little uh, story of Stephen K. Scott. 
he wrote a book called um, The Richest Man Who Ever Lived, Financial Wisdom from Solomon. And here's Stephen's story. He gets out of college, and in six years, he either quits, is fired from, or fails at seven, seven different jobs. And after, after being fired from his seventh job, he, he is really down, and he is feeling like a failure. And he is wondering, how in the world uh, can I ever succeed? And Gary Smalley, a friend of his, was uh, visiting him, staying over. And so he was sharing with Gary uh, just where he was. And he said, do you have any advice for me? Uh, I just, I don't know what to, where to go from here. And Gary Smalley realized, this is a serious request, and I need to think and pray about this. And so he said, give me till the morning uh, I'll get back to you. And in the morning, Gary Smalley came to the table, breakfast table, and he said, how would you like to be smarter than all of your bosses in two years? And Stephen Scott said, well, of course, but how in the world is that going to be possible? And he said, I think I, have, I think I have a word from the Lord for you. Here's what you do. If you will commit to reading one proverb a day for the next two years, and he gave him a specific plan, he said, uh, on, the, on the months that have 30 days, because Proverbs 31 chapters, you read two chapters. And if you will do this, one chapter a day for two years, and you ruthlessly apply to your financial decisions the wisdom of Proverbs, the wisdom of Solomon, I will guarantee that in two years you'll be wiser than all of your bosses. Well, S- Stephen Scott was a, uh, a young Christian, and he was at the end of his rope. He didn't know what else to do, and he said, okay. I'll take this challenge. Well, his next job, uh, his eighth job, he failed at or fired? Let me see the next slide, will you? Oh, he quits. His next job, he quits. But then his ninth job, now he's he's, uh, months into Proverbs, and he's applying what he's learning to his business world. He is wildly successful. His boss comes to him and says, I want to give you a a new position, a huge raise. And Stephen Scott said, you know what? Actually, I think I'm going to start my own business with a friend. And they started a business. Within two years of of starting the Proverbs Challenge, uh, his annual income was over a million dollars. And when he wrote this book, it was uh, $600,000 a month. He went on to... um, to start a number of companies. And let me, let me read what he says uh, in his book. If following Solomon's advice had worked only a few times in the course of my life, we could call it coincidence. If ignoring his advice and warnings had resulted in a few minor setbacks, well, we could call it chance. But when following Solomon's advice has created such significant personal, business, and financial success year after year for me and for countless others. And failing to heed his warnings has caused heartbreaking personal and financial disasters. Even the hardiest skeptic must admit what wise men and kings and queens the world over once acknowledged, Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. Just as there are physical laws that govern the physical universe... Solomon reveals laws of living that invisibly govern all aspects of life. Doesn't matter if you love them or hate them, they still exist and they will govern your life. Solomon reveals these laws in the biblical book of Proverbs and more important, 
shows us how to use them to our advantage. And that's what we've been saying during this series, right? Uh, the Creator has built into the creation more than just the laws of, of nature. There are laws of relationships, laws of emotional health and, and, and physical health. And God, who wants the best for us, He wants us to flourish. That's why He has written us the Scriptures. That's why He sent Jesus Christ. And it's why Proverbs exists. So that we can learn to live in harmony with God's creation. And as we do, uh, we flourish in life. Stephen Scott, once he realized uh, the benefits of uh, applying uh, Prover- the wisdom of Proverbs to his business world, then began to apply it to his relationships. And he credits um, Proverbs with helping um, restore a marriage that was completely on the rocks. And so, there you go. Uh, encouragement for taking this Proverbs challenge. So we've, we've seen that those who live in harmony with God's work-rest uh, ratio, number one, they have more than enough. Number two, it's foolish to resist it. And then finally, uh, we see that those who live in harmony with God's work-rest rhythm uh, are, are positioned to share. And this is a, a, an incredibly noble place to be, and it's a place uh, of joy and a place that God blesses. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, we read this, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that, you would expect it to say, so that he can provide for himself, which is important. But it, go, it, it, goes, it takes it farther, and it says, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Work six days a week, rest a day, work six days a re- week. You'll have more than you need so that you're in a position to share with other people. And we want, we want to be in that position. Why? Because uh, that reflects the heart of our God. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. Jesus, who is the example for us. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Christ in heaven. He leaves heaven and he comes to earth and he goes to the cross. He becomes poor. He suffers and dies. He sheds his blood. He allows his body to be broken for our benefit. And so he set the example. That's the way I want you to live. And so when we work in accordance with God's um, rhythm, intended rhythm, uh, we have leftovers. We have uh, something to, to, to share with other people. See, the goal of, uh, the, the goal of rich, riches is not so that you can uh, be lazy. The goal of riches is so that you can be generous. Isn't that amazing? That's, that's very different. We often think, I, I want to get wealthy so that I can stop being productive and can just be totally selfish. That's not the point. The point is so that you can uh, have the joy of um, sharing with other people. And, and reflecting God in that. Proverbs eleven twenty four. 
one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Well, that's odd, isn't it? You, you're giving freely. You would think my bank account is dwindling. Why is it that one gives freely and yet grows all the richer? Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. I've got to hold on to what I have. And somehow, you're more impoverished. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. Who's enriching that person? Who's watering that person? God. Here's another scripture. This one, I just find this, this scripture is just amazing. Proverbs 19, 17. Listen to this. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. This is God saying, I will be indebted to you if you will share with the poor, those who can't, can't provide for themselves. Um, I, if you give to them, I take it as if you're lending to me, which means I owe you. I become indebted to you, and I will repay you. Who, who doesn't want to have God, you know, uh, indebted to us? That's how seriously God takes uh, our being, um, caring for the poor, being and sharing with other people. And then Proverbs 22, 9. Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. And so one of the, you know, I think about a young man. I was startled at how much he was giving to the church and I, I actually went and talked to him and I'm like hey this is kind of surprising what, what's going on and he said uh, my wife and I we love giving uh, giving our money away we feel like we have the gift of giving of course it starts with the gift of getting right and I said you know, I'm going to pray that God keeps giving you a whole lot because this is a, this is a generous guy and uh, he wasn't hoarding his wealth, right? He was making good, the Lord was blessing him, uh, and then he was stewarding it. And it was bringing him joy, and it was blessing other people, and, and God was pleased, is absolutely pleased with that. So one of the reasons we want to work six days and take a rest, work six days and rest a day, what, one of the reasons we want to keep that rhythm up in our lives is so that we have something to give away to reflect the heart of God and enter into his joy and blessing. All right, let's bring this to uh, takeaways. I see three takeaways. Uh, number one, make it your aim to live God's work-rest rhythm. Just say to yourself, I'm going to be productive six days a week and I'll take a day of rest. Make that your aim don't make it your aim to rest five days a week or three days a week or two days a week. That's not the way you were designed, right? You go back to the, the chainsaw. <laughs> uh, if, you, if you put too much oil in, it bogs down. If you run it too lean, you run the risk of seizing up the engine. It's not the way God's... So what about retirement? Well, retirement, the goal of retirement is not so that you can just be lazy. The goal of retirement is so that you have greater flexibility on how you're productive. I don't necessarily want to be productive for UPS, right? I now am going to use my retirement to 
be productive with my grandkids. I'm going to invest in them. Or I'm going to be product, productive with the church. Uh, share more of my time and energy uh, with the way I want to. But we're still to be productive. We're still to be bettering uh, the world. And so young people, uh, you know, you're going to school, working hard at school. That's part of your um, bettering yourself. That's uh, positioning you to better the world around you. Well, bettering yourself, that's part of it. Um, and so be careful to uh, not be lazy and not waste what God has given you. So that's number one. Make it your aim to live in harmony with God's work-rest ratio. Rhythm. Number two, share. Be generous. Uh, when you have more than you need, see that as an opportunity to bless other people and enter into, uh, into God's blessing. Not so that you can, you know, be, lays it up. And then, um, finally, if you, if you have never been the recipient of God's grace in your life, if you're not a Christian, uh, then this probably just seems odd. <laughs> you know, why would I want to uh, work hard and then give away? Uh, that doesn't make sense to you unless you have first been a recipient of God's generosity in your own life. And so if you have not experienced God's generosity in your life, that's your starting place. God left heaven in the person of Jesus Christ. He went to the cross. He bled and died to pay the penalty for your sins. He wants you to be forgiven. He wants you to experience eternal life, to be indwelt with his Holy Spirit. And, And that generosity of God is available to you, but you have to accept it. And you have to come to a point in your life where you say, I open myself, God, to your love in, in, in the person of your son, Jesus Christ. And so today that might be your decision.